0: IT really needs to own the technology decisions, and GBS is the business partner who needs to own defining the requirements to support the business process that they're trying to deliver.
1: I would also say what we own and what we should own in GBS is defining the right process what the 2B process should look like.
0: Yeah, full disclosure, my experience with RPA has not been positive.
1: I've had mixed results, largely good though with RPA. I think it again comes down to how you are using it, right? There is multiple aspects of it. Welcome to the GBS Masterminds
2: Podcast. CIOs are from Mars, GBS leaders are from Venus. We have two amazing guests, a CIO and a GBS leader, We'll let them introduce themselves.
0: So my name is Jen Kreitz or Jennifer Kreitz, and I am living in the Netherlands, but I am American, and I've uh, had the opportunity to work in several different companies um, and always working in IT and always working as a very close business partner to many functions within the company. Uh, very excited to share my experiences here with you today. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks.
1: Amit hey hi shashi first of all thank you for having me on this podcast i've been a big fan of this podcast in the past i've you know seen some of the episodes so it's it's always fun to be here uh, as a way of introduction my name is amit yadav i'm based in dallas texas originally from india and uh, currently i am the vice president for gsbs that's what we call it gbs organization internally uh, at rs i've has spent more than 25 years in this industry and work with multiple amazing GBS organizations with PNG, PepsiCo and many other large brands but uh, very happy to be here. All right Jan, I'm going to
2: jump right in with a bit of a controversial question actually since you're a CIO. So there is a perception out there that CIOs are the office of the no. There is a general viewpoint of the business that you go to the CIO's office and they're always shut down. Is that perception true or do you have a different experience?
0: Yeah, so for me, I think we are the office of yes, but. So let me uh, let me explain that. I think CIOs have a bit of a tricky responsibility within a company to deliver innovation and business value, but also protect the company and manage risk. And sometimes those things are difficult to really manage together. We have several frameworks. We have compliance requirements, we have legislations that we have to uh, follow and that we have to adhere to in order to ensure that the company is well protected and in control. So I I can totally understand how people may feel like we're crushing their dreams and their enthusiasm, (laughs) but (laughs) at the same time, what we're trying to do is say, yes, but let's have a discussion about what you're trying to do with this new tool and let's make sure that the technology is a right fit for us in our landscape and for our company.
2: Absolutely. Maybe give us an example, Jen, like in your past experience working with business or GBS leaders where there was some conflict and what did you end up doing?
0: Yeah, in fact, I've seen actually in a couple of different companies, this classic uh, case where HR is super excited to bring, for example, Workday into the environment. Um, I think most uh, most CIOs are very familiar with Workday, and unfortunately, the experience that I had was we were working in organizations that had already invested quite heavily in SAP as the ERP system of uh, the backbone of the company. And of course, we know that uh, Success Factors is the HR module that's owned by SAP. So... In the cases of of the companies where I was, that would have meant that deploying Workday would mean we were potentially creating unnecessary complexity and probably bringing in increased costs for similar, if not the same, functional requirements. So we tried to change the dialogue. So again, this is a yes, but kind of a thing. Yes, but what are you trying to actually do? Um, we try to change the dialogue. And instead of discussing the tooling specifically, we ask the business really, what do you need in terms of process requirements? And then we from IT will look at how can we deliver given the different requirements that you have, but also the requirements that we have to manage from an IT perspective, like the architecture, the security, the complexity, et cetera.
2: Amit, just like the question I asked the CIO, is GBS the office of the fairy tale? So let me clarify that a bit. There is a general perception out there that the business folks will want the latest and the greatest technology and they expect the CIOs
1: to sign off. Is this real? I don't know if it is that real. I think, you know, the GBS is more of a process engine and a policy engine rather than a tech engine. So in my experience, whether it was at PepsiCo, whether in the past when we were setting up something for PNG at Offshore, even over here at RS, We look at fixing processes and then looking at technology as an enabler and bringing technology as it comes. I am a big believer personally of the fact that you can actually run business even with a pen and paper. It will just take longer. So technology obviously helps. So I think the camaraderie that you can do along with your CIO organization in GBS is to just make us more efficient rather than trying to get the latest and greatest get the one which will be the best use at this point of time.
2: So one follow-up question on this, I'll run through this pattern a lot, right? So the, the CIO's office is obviously trying to centralize everything around one tech stack, one ERP. So how do you handle that where you need to hit some business outcome KPIs, but you need to be, you're forced into like using, let's say, just SAP, ERP or Oracle Cloud?
1: I think that is where the whole debate around best of breed versus, you know, a single source of truth uh, comes into picture. I have seen best of breed work better uh, in the past. So I think that's where I like to work with the technology teams to see if we can do simple, not very costly, cloud-based technology that we can bring to the table to run with those outcomes. For example, over here at RS, we've recently... Uh, you know, implemented a technology on the accounts payable side, which helps us uh, do a lot better on top of SAP. So, you know, SAP or S4 HANA or ECC, any of that is not the answer to all. But if you don't have it, you know, it's a hygiene factor which will really bring down a lot of processes and policies. Got it.
2: So maybe a follow up for you being a business exec, GBS, right? Do you feel like given such an important role of technology, the business or GBS should have more control in tech decision-making or what should be the arbitrage
1: of decision-making between IT and business? I look at it this way, you know, we as GBS are a pit stop, right? For maybe a Formula One car, right? We are not the ones who are running the race. We are not the ones who are driving the car, but we are trying to make the car and the driver as efficient as possible, I like to see my partners in technology do the same for us, right? That, hey, how can you make us better? How can you take us to the next level? And I think what has always worked, Shashi, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, is it always comes down to business requirements. I think that is the only place where we should play a role rather than owning the technology, right? I would rather want to be involved in, this is my problem. This is what I want to do. These are my current constraints. I would also say, What we own and what we should own in GBS is defining the right process, what the 2B process should look like. And that should not be constrained by technology, that should be enabled by technology. Got it. Jen, what's your take on that?
0: Yeah, in my my view, GBS is just like any other function in the company like marketing or finance or sales for example so in my view uh, the role is the same for GBS as it is for any of those other functions. Um, IT really needs to own the technology decisions and GBS is the business partner who needs to own defining the requirements to support the business process that they're trying to deliver. So they have to define the what and IT needs to own the decision on how.
2: So I'm gonna switch gears to a, actually a technology that I think the business chose a lot, which I think has had some mixed results. So this is RPA, robotic process automation. There's a lot of debate around the effectiveness. What is your experience been with RPA?
0: Yeah, full disclosure, my experience with RPA has not been positive. <laughs> so uh, so we'll go into uh, my experience there, but... Um, yeah, it, in my in my one of my previous uh, companies, our GBS organization indeed invested heavily in RPA, but without the consultation of IT, they worked with external partners to design everything and build the the robots, and um, and it, it worked pretty well for a little while, but then all of a sudden things started going very very wrong, and um, it. It ended up going so wrong so fast um, that in the end, it it really significantly cost the company money and also some reputational damage with some of our uh, our external partners. Um, basically, what had happened was, yeah, the external company had built the the various applications, knowing what it knew then, but because IT had, was not aware or involved, we didn't have it on our radar screen. So it was, again, another scenario where if we had been involved, we probably could have chosen technology that was already available in the company and also was fitting nicely and integrated within the rest of the IT landscape.
1: What has been your experience with RPA? I've had mixed results, largely good, though, with RPA. I think it, again, comes down to how you are using it, right? There is multiple aspects of it. For example, one of the things that I have always encouraged is citizenship development. And that's not so much to automate and save like, you know, a thousand heads, but more about making people rethink how their work should be done, right? So it becomes more of a building, a culture of continuous improvement through automation. So it becomes more of a culture building aspect of it. So RPA kind of helps that because it makes everybody involved, right? Right. But after that, it kind of has a diminishing marginal utility at some point of time where, you know, not everything can and should be automated. And that's where better technologies off-the-shelf products can actually come and help you do that rather than trying to build, you know, macros on steroids as such. So I think how you use RPA in your culture of continuous improvement becomes far more important. Um, I think even, you know, whether you look at UiPath or whether you look at automation anywhere, even they have understood how this works in larger organizations. And I think GPS and RPA is a great partnership as long as it's done for the right reasons, right? Got it. All right, on.
2: budgets for transformation. Obviously, every department, every business exec wants money for an IT project for their department or their business process. How do you manage budgets? How do you prioritize what gets funded? What does not get...
0: Yeah, so in all of my experience, IT has always managed the IT budgets. uh, And that's because um, upper management has always wanted one view of IT investments. But I think where I've seen it work best is when you use really a strategy first approach. And the whole company is really disciplined in um, using this approach so the strategy is is very well defined for the company. It's also very clear to everybody what the strategy is. What I've seen work well is a strategy is broken into a few big areas of what we would call kind of where our how-to-wins, right? So different categories of how can we win in the in the markets where we want to play. Mm-hmm. And if you have that defined well, then you can also take your initiatives and you can map your initiatives against those how to wins. Um, which which initiatives are driving which how-to-win area. And from there, you can actually rank your initiatives within those categories. And then you already have a clear listing and prioritization of initiatives um, already ranked within your your strategy, your strategic areas. And then the, the top management needs to decide for the coming period, say one year or so, how how they want to balance the investments across those how to wins? Which one is going to get maybe fifty percent of the budget this year versus twenty percent for the next one, et cetera?
2: I'm just curious. Ultimately, do you charge the budget back to a business exec? Is it hitting their p or cost center, or no?
0: We've done both. Uh, I've in in a couple of different companies. I've seen both models. Um, the the chargeback process creates an awful lot of administration. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think more recently I've seen where there's not a charge back necessarily, but it's, it's really shared investment.
2: What would you recommend to GBS leaders like you to go get those budgets to drive
1: transformation? Could be an HR process, finance process or something else. See, I'm an accountant myself, right? So I can never go back to my leadership unless I am paying for my own project. Right. So as long as you can create a great NPV or a IRR, depending on what you work, Right. if you can show the value right, and keep it nimble and flexible. right. So the way to work through budgets, and today is a great conversation on this because the economy is really not doing well. A lot of companies are under huge amount of pressure on, on OPEX. How can you create a transformation proposal that pays for itself but also has great checkpoints where if we are not meeting that checkpoint, we stop it. So it doesn't become something that, Hey, now we have to spend it because we've now spent a lot of money. And the other part is the balance scorecard thinking, right? How are we helping the larger part of the organization, right? What I am doing in GBS are, am I helping my colleagues in sales sell better, right? Am I helping my, my colleagues in procurement procure better? So if, that is not helping, then it doesn't. So sometimes not being so focused on what you are doing, but trying okay. to align it with the larger objective, there is always money somewhere, right? And if you don't get the money, you still make it work by you know doing workarounds around.
2: it. Yeah, so that brings us to my next question, which is business value. I've seen all very few projects where the business case ROA is always done in the, the planning phase, but then during the actual execution phase, Nobody actually measures and drives accountability to everyone involved on the business outcomes itself. It almost becomes an afterthought and the success of the project is based on a project plan, the type, the time, and the cost, but not on KPIs and outcomes. Why is that? I'm just curious what you have seen.
0: I think it's so hard to do. (laughs) I have also actually never seen business value realization really done professionally in any company that I've worked in. Um, And I think, again, it's because it's first of all, it's it's difficult to track sometimes. And even if it's not difficult to track, it takes a long time before the full business value is actually reached. And by that time, all the teams that were responsible for delivering have moved on to the next big transformation program. And so no one's thinking to go back, say, Six, twelve, eighteen months later, to go and make sure that uh, the business value has been realized from the previous initiative. I also think once you've delivered an initiative, it's oftentimes just viewed as kind of sunk costs. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna go back and do anything different at this point.
2: It does make sense. I think the main challenge there is it is it is not if not having a framework during implementation is not driving the right accountability of scope, B scope time taken. So then it becomes a feature ask, uh, almost like a kid in a candy store, right? So there is no framework saying um, the only framework is out of the box, not out of the box, some cost variable, but there is no correlation to the value variable. So a lot of IT projects, I think there was a recent Gartner study or a McKinsey study that I've been with like 70% of IT projects fail from a business value standpoint. Do you agree with that?
0: I can completely imagine that I've never done my own qua- quantification of uh, of that, but I can I can believe it because in my experience, when you create a business case, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of discussion. A lot of people will debate the data that you have in your business case. So it becomes a very um detailed and a little bit laborious discussion. And a lot of times people leave thinking, well, I don't, I'm not even sure I trust the value that they're claiming this initiative can bring. So to think that you go through that exercise, and then of course, every scope change that comes in, which always happens, but every scope change should actually trigger an update to your business case. That is, that's a lot of, That is a lot of work, a lot of detailed work. And I think in my experience, most companies don't find they have the capacity to necessarily do that over and over and over again.
2: Got it. Now, the question for you then is, I've rarely seen any IT projects after the business case and funding is done. The accountability is driven around measuring the KPIs. It could be like leading indicators, the drive lagging indicators or some form. They kind of go... sideways including like big transformation projects like sap which are like sometimes run into triple digit million and there is no uh metrics based filtering do you have any suggestions on how to handle that
1: in pepsico our ceo ramon had very publicly said that you know the dream of trying to be on one single platform across the globe is just not the right thing to do right so you know we used to call it the chips model, right? So it's more like the Lays model that everything is made nearly the same, bless you. Uh, But at the same time, you are also trying to make it useful for the local market. So all technology transformations and, you know, SAP is no company in the last 25 years has never been without an SAP project going on somewhere in that organization, right? So it's, 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 It's never done, right? By the time you are done, something else comes up. So I think it is needed. It just needs to be something which is not done because it's the latest and the greatest. It's done because your business really needs it, right? And that is where the kind of behavior you were saying has failed, where it has been driven by the CIO organizations or sometimes even by the business leaders to think that they are going to solve all of our problems, you know, uh, and no technology can solve your problems. You have to solve your problems through a process and technology can help you make it better. Absolutely. All
2: right. Last question for you, Jen, before we close. What is your one ask being an IT leader from a business or GBS leader?
0: I think I have the same ask for my GBS friends as I do for just about all my other uh Colleagues and peers in other functions. And that is um, please focus on the what. What is it that you need? Make sure your requirements are. I think business partners, business users really need to be trained in requirements definition. Um, So focus on what and then your IT as a as your partner. We're going to do everything in our power to deliver on the how that comes closest to everything you want, but is also the right choice for the company as well.
2: All right. Final question before we close, uh, Amit. What is your one pet peeve or one ask of an IT leader?
1: Let me do what I'm trying to do uh, and help me in that. So I think the pet peeve for me, mostly with the CIOs has always been around. Can you bring nimble technologies which are more business driven, which, we can work on on the sides, right? So RPA is a great example around it or you know where there are rule-based engines that we can work on the process side and we don't need to go back to our technology partners all the time, right? So how much of that control of the business rules can be given to businesses so that technology can only work on the technology side? That becomes a critical part. So owning what part of the technology, administering becomes a very critical either a collaboration point or a point where you really start, you know, having frictions. All right. Thank you so much
2: for being on the show and being a guest on our show. I know how busy you are. So we really appreciate your time.
0: Thank you very much. It was a pleasure.
1: Thank you, Shashi. It's always a pleasure.